right, folks, welcome to another jam-packed, nostalgic episode of Seishiro, the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoot Magoo. I'm Elaine. And we are hearkening back to one of the better decades. They're all good. (laughs) A simpler time when our only worry was total global nuclear annihilation. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we... uh... <laughs> we uh I don't know, we tossed around the idea of doing kind of retrospective like best of a certain decade and I really think any of the decades we uh we could have picked would have been would have been good. I mean, we definitely could have done the 70s, 90s, uh the O's. Maybe the 2010s would have been too recent, but we picked something right smack dab in the middle of those being the 80s. And very excited to talk about our favorites. Uh, this was harder than I thought it would be. Um, what was your process for whittling down your list? Um, so, I mean, to be honest, I, I kind of forgot about it for a lot of this week. And very so, good. Um, Great start. There was a point <laughs> where I wrote down one, and then I, I, I went through it at uh, different points throughout the week, but I, I largely forgot about it because I had uh, kind of a busy week. So, yeah. So, I ended up just... I, I mean, ba- basically, my 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 thought process was that I wanted to pick stuff that was kind of... Because I, I, I keep, like, a list of favorite albums just because it's, it's easier to just have it than, you know, for other people to be like, oh, what's your favorite? And I have to kind of, like dig through my mind uh i and instead so i can just like print this out and just point at it <laughs> there you go <laughs> which is exactly what i do and not really but um but sure anyway um i wanted to go through stuff that i hadn't talked about here that we haven't as a whole really talked about uh a ton so you know and just trying to give those things a little more time because i you know like the there were some obvious ones uh which i mean do you if you want to talk about, um, you know, some honorable mentions briefly, I mean, off the top of my head, yeah, I'm, I'm looking through some right now, like, um, Fugazi's 13 songs, um, the, the, Paula Abdul's debut album. There you go. <laughs> Forever Your Girl. <laughs> yeah, you know, just, just lo- lots of quality all around, you know? <laughs> That's the thing, but with, with that Paula Abdul album, I was thinking about it, but it's, it's like I know it isn't a good album, if that makes any sense. Like I enjoy <laughs> it, but I I know it isn't a good album. But anyway, Purple Rain, which I I mean, it's just kind of obvious. Um, Queen Strikes, Operation Mind Crime, um, I I a couple of Judas Priest albums, I think a couple of Iron Maiden albums. Um, yeah, oh, Talking Heads, Remain in Light, I think. Um, yeah, so just like little things like that. Oh, Tom Waits' uh, Rain Dogs and Swordfish Trombones, you know. Um, just a lot of stuff that I've already, you know, sort of gushed about. Um, you know, so I, oh, I mean, obvious answer is obvious. The the first Bad Brains album, <laughs> you know. So I, yeah, like, oh, Hounds of Love by Kate Bush as well. Um you know, all of these, I, I adore all of those albums. I, I just, 
they've gotten a lot of talk on this podcast. Oh, uh, the Faith No More is the real thing as well, which we did like a whole, you know, episode about, you know, so like I, I, I wanted to choose stuff that I hadn't talked about that we haven't talked about, you know, and just kind of, you know, sort of widen the scope, widen like, you know, sort of the, um, the, the podcast's canon, if you will. That's interesting. Um, because I am now feeling a little self-conscious considering <laughs> I picked, I picked three extremely obvious picks just because. I, I mean, look, th- 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 those, that, that was my, th- those were my parameters. They don't have to be yours. So. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'll, uh, I'll call an audible. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Uh, I will. Yeah. I kind of had a, a soft backup but i'll pick some three no no go with the ones that you already picked no i i mean like like um the three that i picked we've talked about quite a bit so i am happy to call an audible if you kind of went some deeper cuts and well i at at least tell me the ones that that you were going to pick then I mean, the three that I picked, uh, Depeche Mode, Some Great Reward, yeah. Prince, Purple Rain, and The Smiths, The Queen is Dead. So yeah. I think which, I probably... Which, I think which, I probably all albums I was thinking about, too. Yeah, I probably would have prefaced all of my little you know, verbal blurbs by saying, well, I know we've talked about this before, so yeah. I actually think, yeah, why don't I go a little bit, uh, a little bit deeper? Um, and I have, I have a few, few other honorable mentions I was okay. considering. Um, so, you know, while we're on those topics, uh, Prince, Controversy, Smith's, uh, Meet is Murder, uh, Slayer, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, you know, the great, oh, uh, three fuck. of the best 80s R- metal bands. Which, uh, which Slayer album? Uh, Rain and Blood. I think Rain and Blood. Yeah. I mean, like, I know it's kind of a cliche pick, but it's kind of a cliche pick for a reason. It's a fucking great pick, though. Uh, let's see, uh, Rush Moving Pictures? I mean, that's, uh, oh, yeah. like, I don't know if, like... They, they, the 70s, 80s kind of band, so not really sure. Um, I mean, I, I'm not thinking like about if oh they're like a quote-unquote 80s artist. I'm thinking yeah. about are their albums. I think I, I was 80s. just talking about like in my thought process. I just think it rushes like a 70s band. Yeah, uh, and, and vice I, versa. Like my, I'm honestly my first thought was uh, Joy Division, Unknown Pleasures, because they just sounded so ahead of their time. But obviously, that came out that did not come out in the 80s, even though it's like right before the 80s. Um, I think Closer did, though, right? Closer did, but I, I prefer Unknown Pleasures, even though they're both great albums. Yeah. Uh, to... I, I mean, I, it, it is funny, though, that like you, we have like this this thought about what the 80s are like in our minds, in sort of like the collect in our, like, our collective mind, in a way, like as as like a culture. You know, that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, like, I feel like maybe it's just because we're very, I think there's a lot of, you know, like, I think just that whole retro angle, the whole nostalgia sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know, so like, but the thing is, it wasn't all, you know, neon colors and uh, bad haircuts, you know, it exactly. was, it was much, much more, uh, though I do love those things. I love the cheesiness of the 1980s. Absolutely. Um trying to decide what my final three will be mm-hmm. uh yeah I'll, i mean i think we've ta- i don't know if we've talked explicitly about these two but uh you know black flag damaged um minor threat complete discography or like any of the mixture of eps 
etc. Uh, just because those were two really formative, heavier music, quote unquote, records. Uh, and then the last honorable mention I will mention is uh, the Cure Disintegration, which we literally, you know, just talked about. Yeah. So, well, um, we, we talked about pornography, but I mean, yeah, yeah we, we talked about the Cure, and I think we we kind of did, talked about them as a band. Um. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I got my three, which are definitely much deeper cuts than, than I was planning, but I actually think it'll be a much cooler conversation. And just, just for the, I forget if I mentioned this up front, but, uh, basically I just went through the album, you know, I, I could have gone on like great music or whatever. I just went through my own discogs, you know, yeah. and, uh, spot checks just like, Hey, did that come on the eighties? Just, you know, and I have a good enough sense of my collection to know. Um, so Yeah. Very excited yeah. to actually. I'm actually more excited now just because we haven't talked about these artists very much at all. So um, it's funny. I, I I just saw one on my list that I'm I'm thinking about. I'm like, ooh, I could talk about that. I might. Yeah, you all know right. what? I'm going to. I'm 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 going to change that last one. Uh, all right. All right. Well, it, it was the middle one, but still, I'm I'm actually going in chronological order. Um, so. Anyway, um, do you want to start off? I do, and this one caught my eye. Uh, I'll, I'll go in alphabetical order, um, just because I think this this is an interesting record. It's a band that I've been you know more and more interested in recently, and I think their first two kind of vie for which is more influential which is more popular you know which was a better better produced uh, or you know which is kind of a better delivered album and i've always preferred this one it's uh from enslavement to obliteration by napalm depth okay uh, i think it's uh that came out in the 80s 88 huh? yeah and Dang. I, I think people it's interesting because a scum like looking at rate music scum has more ratings but from enslavement to obliteration has a higher overall rating so you know six and one half a dozen the other i suppose um i think that for me scum is just really raw and not even just in the production i think sometimes like the songwriting it's a little bit too like it's obviously all very you know very direct short like fast adrenaline but... you, you you suffer but yeah, why <laughs> exactly and i mean i think you know the death uh death grind that they grew into you know starting with harmony corruption you know really really uh really took their songwriting to another level but i feel like if you're looking for the perfect you know really you know something that's really straddles the line between just pure unadulterated grindcore and like the death metal um that they would you know to varying degrees infuse into their music you know from enslavement to obliteration is uh is a great pick and I mean, I think in a way it was, it helped inform, it helped kind of shape death metal in its own right. Um, mm. You know, I think that obviously there was kind of a, a primordial ooze at that point of all the different extreme metal styles. And I think it helped, you know, along with artists like Repulsion, Terrorizer, you know, helped straddle between, you know, hardcore punk, grindcore and death metal. And I just, I think it's... Uh, I think I was I was more attracted to Scum just because you know Scum kind of has the. Uh, it's interesting how the the meme effect takes face. You know, like, like every, you suffer 
has a has a big mm-hmm. like just lol i mean kind of like you know one of my friends uh really likes anal cunt but I, I i'm curious if that's because he likes their music or because their name is anal cunt <laughs> you know <laughs> like is it just is it just funny to say hey like that's a you know that's a funny um you know I don't know. I I, I just I, I feel like grindcore is really prone to that, and I th- I think that I really appreciate. I think that's just a metal thing. Yeah, you know, it, it it's like oh yeah, our our band is like the dark enslavement of the belittled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's I it's just like it's par for the course. I think. Yeah, but I I, I think that. I don't think it's it's super fair of me to say that that you know has soured the entirety of scum for me, but I do think to a degree, um, like that's the first thing you think of when you think of scum, and I think just in general, it really is. It's obvious why it has a place in grindcore lore, um, but I think that From a Slave to Obliteration is an all around better album, and it's one of the better metal albums of the eighties. Yeah, I mean, I, I I there's actually I only picked one metal album. Um... And you know, I think it's because you know the the sort of the metal that I really like was you know more like later than this. You know, mm-hmm. if we had done like a two thousands, if we had done like an aughts, I I probably would have had a number, uh, maybe in the nineties too, but probably more two thousands, uh, maybe even more twenty tens. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I I I I totally I I get that pick. I mean, I I actually I don't know if I've listened to. Um, that specific Napalm Death album, but I I am like I I feel like I'm like very not familiar with a lot of those albums at least on like a um like a listening standpoint because I mean I I've read you know a lot about like early death metal and things like that but you know it's it's one thing to read and it's one thing to listen. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that was a little bit of a surprise to me, too, just because, you know, obviously I love a lot of metal, but it really is that once you hit the turn of the decade, that's when a lot of the metal I, I love came out. So I was, you know, there really no, even on my short list, it was hard to find any that might, you know, might make the cut. Um, mm. I think I forgot to mention Godflesh, Street Cleaner, that came out oh. in 89. Oh, that's um, such a good album. Yeah. So I, I it pisses me off that I can't like I, I need to just like I need to just like you know get a copy of that already cuz I I love I love Street Clear. That was a great uh, blind purchase. I I didn't know. I think I knew about them if I remember correctly, but um I was just I saw a really cheap like the person who owned it before of the pure that is um, had like been a heavy smoker because it was absolutely disgusting. I still have it. It just is so like obviously yellowed. Um, but like it was just so man, just like such a like at the time, especially the way it hit me. I'm like, man, I I don't think I've ever really heard anything quite like this because I mean, obviously the the groovier tracks are pretty straightforward, but kind of the the early post metal ideas. Man, I gotta listen more Godflesh. Or I, yeah. I gotta revisit Godflesh, man. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I need to, like, I, on my list uh, have been, you know, Street Cleaner and uh, World Lit Only by Fire. Uh, not really so much pure, because I just, I don't know, what, 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 when it gets more, like, 
I don't know, they, they, there are a couple times where like they have like these dancey kind of drum machine grooves and I just can't get around it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, um, I guess we should move on. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think that's yeah. fine. So my first pick, uh, and I actually changed mine, so I'm 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 actually in alphabetical order because uh, you know I, I'm a conformist. <laughs> Just vote for the most popular person. <laughs> um, anyway, so I my first album is actually something I had on in the car today, and it's uh, "Paid in Full" by Eric B and Rakim. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, one of my favorite hip hop albums, um, with, without a doubt. Um, I, you know, listening to it today, I, I'm like, what exactly can I, like, it's, I, I, I think with, you know, we often, when we talk about like golden age hip hop and like sort of like early hip hop, you know, it's always like, you know, uh, sort of talking about the flow and sort of, you know, how like state it can be and, you know, and then how like Rakim kind of changed that. So like, I, you know, that's, that's kind of all, you know, it, it is what it is. What I think I find really fascinating about um, Painful is is Eric B. I mean, Rockin's great. You know, I, I think it's it's that them working in tandem that makes the album really shine. But I I think Eric B is kind of like understated. Mm-hmm. Um, in you know, like I really love the way this like album sounds. You know, and just sort of the way he would be scratching, and like he would just pick like these perfect moments to scratch and like you know catch the record at just like this really really nice time and uh yeah i mean just even something like um like the beat for move the crowd is just like such a nice like just really really like funky danceable thing to listen to uh and the version i have has like a um an extended uh instrumental version of it at the end uh, and I'm norm- normally not one for like bonus tracks or what have you, but like I I love listening to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just a great it's a great album. I uh, my melody is uh, or my melodies I think is another. I mean I, I I really love every track, but those two in particular are probably my favorite. Um, and a lot of it again it just comes from the way Eric B you know kind of develops his beats and you know kind of you know. Uh, sort of where he samples things and you know how he samples them also i i think they sampled the beastie boys on it but i i need to look into that um anyway <laughs> yeah i love uh i love eric b and rakeem i'd say my favorite record is probably don't sweat the technique um just because okay. i i love that specific song so much but you know every Everything I've heard from them is great. I, ultimately, I think they only released four albums, so I would, uh, at some point, I would love to own everything they've done. And yeah, I, they, I wouldn't mind doing that too. Yeah, and they're just incredibly. Yeah, you're totally right. They're just so. Ugh, like they're 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 so, they're so important, and I, I think that there's definitely you can hear the shift like you can hear kind of the the abc you know not that there hasn't been more um complex hip-hop release since then but just for the time they were definitely ahead of their time you know like a little bit you know a little bit more complex lyricism and flows you know obviously the, the beats i think still stand up today just like really really nice samples really really well constructed beats 
Um, yeah. Yeah. I, what I also found really interesting, I, I mean, maybe I'd have to like sort of scan through everything again, but you know, I, I think a lot of what has made hip hop such a controversial genre, um, you know, I think in the mainstream is, is, you know, because of like its lyrical content. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sort of weird how, you know, like paid in full kind of like steers away from sort of all of like sort sort of what would end up kind of, you know, uh, being a huge part of hip hop, you know, like you don't really, it's, it's not like overtly political in its lyrical content and it's not really, you know, it's not really talking about, you know, um, you know, sort of like, you know, street experience or anything like that is mostly just like this, like kind of like humorous braggadocio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, a political album, you know, political hip hop album is bad or, you know, some sort of, you know, street in tale from the streets is like, you know, bad because I mean, I can think of a handful of albums that fit both of those that I adore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think it's funny that, you know, they they kind of just did their own thing. Rakim just kind of did his own thing, and I and I in this album, and I and I just think it's I, I really like it. I don't know. It's it's just like I think if you ever meet somebody who is like, oh yeah, fuck it, like like you know, like I I think hip hop sucks, you know, and it's because they always talk about like beating up women or what have you, you know. You can just be like, okay, well, put this on, you know, <laughs> just. Like it, this, this, this is your mama's hip hop album. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at least when she isn't listening to POD. Yeah, I mean, for me, like the whole, you know, like all they talk about, you know, hip hop is violent, misogynistic. It's like, well, I mean, a lot of it is, just to be honest, or like a decent, you know, stretch of it is. Like I could see that. But the it, one thing... it depends on where you're looking. You know, like if you're going like alt hip hop, you know, like you're kind of in a different game. Oh yeah, no, like it, it definitely, definitely depends. Like I think it, it, that's painting with a broad brush, but I mean it's based in, it's based in truth. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that annoys me is that oh, hip hop's so repetitive. I'm like, I mean, as if other music doesn't repeat like the same motifs across a song. Like I think it's just it's it's more, it's more pronounced in hip hop, because obviously like there's more weight placed in the lyricism and just the rhyming. But yeah. I just feel like it's it's like if you listen to a like a, a hard rock song they literally it's like have you listened to literally any piece of music made in the last hundred years yeah or, i mean like, like my favorite example is acdc like the you know i like acdc but you know I, I i'm just thinking that like the basis of modern music isn't rhythm and you know like in repetition yeah exactly but you know, i think like an example like acdc where like the drumming is extremely repetitive and extremely simple you know, Angus Young repeats more or less the same. I mean, it, it, not, let alone yeah. the joke about the, they've made the same album like 15 times or whatever. I, I think it's like a matter of like where your focus is. Mm-hmm. Because like, you know, like with, I, I, I think it's a little, I think people might have a, a tougher time, you know, sort of swallowing like the hip hop pill in a way. Because, you know, I think in some ways it's a little more minimal I, on the whole. You know, like you're you're dealing with you know a bat like a beat, and you're dealing with someone rapping on top of it. You know, whereas like I, I think with other genres, I, I I think sometimes it can get a little more complex. And you know, you have like you know I I, I mean just like you could listen to a Beach Boys album, 
you know, and, and, you know, or like, you know, you listen to something like Pet Sounds and you're like, okay, like there's all of this shit going on all at once underneath all their voices. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and you, like, even you just listen to like a rock album, like, you, you know, ACDC might be, you know, kind of staid and boring, but like, you know, you've got something like Angus Young, you know, like really like crunching some guitars underneath that, you know? So it, it, it's I don't know like I I think it's just a matter of of like if they had focused on the rapper you know and sort of that that part of it you know I I don't think it would be as bad like I I don't think it would be as as difficult for some people to get into but anyway anyway yeah totally yeah. totally get you yeah so what what have you uh what have you got next. Uh, I think I have, I think this has been an album of the week before, but I don't know if I've talked about them at length. And it is the 1986 self-titled uh, They Might Be Giants album. Uh, okay. I was oh, like familiar with them you know, generally. Uh, the video that really got me into them was, it was a Vox interview with Open Mike Eagle. <laughs> and... He, he just shouts out, "They might be giants." I, actually, that's what the entire that's what the entire video is about. I'll, I'll actually <laughs> send it to you, but it's how they might be giant influenced art rapper Open Mike Eagle and the insight he. I love that. It's it's really really cool, and I think the 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 subtext of that video is the fact that you know actually it's kind of exactly what we were just talking about that like not all hip hop is you know kind of the conventional. There are you know, weird rappers influenced by weirder art pop bands. Um, and They Might Be Giants is uh, pretty weird. I mean, like it's not super avant-garde, but just it's... I think what makes it so weird is its roots in kind of conventional songwriting. Like, all, like almost all of their songs sound like the soundtracks to fake, bizarre children's cartoons. Uh, like it's you know like we're not talking about you know it's like not John Zimmer doing you know Duck Calls Underwater or whatever like it's you know these are pretty conventionally structured songs they're you know nothing nothing crazy that you you would you know be caught off guard with but I think it's the fact that it it is that but also just like bizarre lyrics just kind of oddly like almost uncomfortably upbeat and positive it's like this is almost too positive for like a pop song where it feels like there's something you know darker lurking under the surface um and i just i just find them fascinating like i love their music but i think fantano bought this record for a you know like a vinyl update highlighted it and said that uh they were ahead of the game on streaming they used to like i think you know back when oh right like they you would buy the cd and in it you could like have a call line where you could call a certain um, you know, certain certain rates and restrictions apply. Um, you you call a certain number, and you know you can put in you know input a, a another number, and then you could play you could play a certain song through the phone, which is pretty. I mean, it was pretty ahead of its time. Yeah, um, I, I remember him talking about that on that episode. Yeah, I, that 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 was really interesting. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that from there, uh, I don't know if this is my favorite thing, but. They might be Giants record. Uh, I love, uh, you know, Lincoln, Flood. Flood is uh, probably their mo- their best known one, and in no short order because, 
It has their cover of Istanbul, not Constantinople, which is, uh, I think, oh, one of the more, yeah. fa- it, it, one of the more favorite, famous songs. Uh, Apollo 18, John Henry. Um, I've collected a, a good deal of their albums, and I think what's interesting about them is that they've found unique ways to uh, reinvent themselves over the years. They also have released some like actual children's albums, which is cool. Uh, but like one of my favorite albums of theirs is Nanobots, which came out in 2013. Obviously, more, more new, more recent. Um, <laughs> more new. Yeah, more new. I don't know why I, I said it like that, but um, <laughs> the, the, I don't think I listened to their last album, which came out last year, that closely. But everything I've heard from them, I've I've been a big fan of, and I think uh, it's due in large part to the success that their debut had. Cool. It's like I, I'm really not familiar with They Might Be Giants at all. Just I, partially because I think don't they have just a fucking massive discography? Yeah, I think the the cool thing is that most of their uh, most of their records have been very um, very cheap that I've found. So it's been pretty easy to collect their stuff. But yeah, that's always hard. I think that I've I found I'm pretty sure that their self titled the one I've been talking about is. Uh, um, is the first one I bought. It was relatively. It has a very eye-catching cover, and I've I've wanted to get into them. So, um, yeah, that might be giants. Nice. Self-titled. Nice. I I I feel like. I, have you ever listened to Beat Happening? No, I don't think I have. Because I I the way you describe might be giants sounds a lot like Beat Happening, but Beat Happening is like they might be giants if they might be giants didn't know how to play their instruments at all interesting yeah uh i De- devin like friend of the show devin uh loves beat happening she she played me one of their i think it was like their first album they're self-titled and it's like 20 minutes and, it, and it's just it, it, it's like if you've ever listened to daniel johnston like it kind of has like that kind of like oh, okay yeah like that, that that kind of quality that you know it's it, it it's almost more about like the emotion and sort of like the rawness of the performance than it is about the actual songwriting yeah or even the quality of the performance <laughs> um yeah it's 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 interesting you, you might you might like it um i'm not totally sure all right i'll check it out i always appreciate yeah, recommendations I, it's, yeah <laughs> she it, it she always come out with these i i think it's really funny to, to hear how much she loves beat happening so um <laughs> anyway um oh i i should probably mention that my uh i i i did i i think i've talked about all of these as albums of the week before probably but uh you know i i just felt like you know those give us like a little platform whereas i think this is like a larger platform to kind of talk about more um so i i guess with that uh my next album i was originally gonna pick uh like a virgin by madonna uh <laughs> because i i do love that album very much but um i went with uh nothing shocking by jane's addiction um okay. because i saw that in my favorites as we were talking and i was like yep it has to be that um uh, which i have we have we ever ta- done like an episode on nothing shocking uh i don't know if we've i don't think we have because I, 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 I do remember it being an album of the week um, some time ago. But, I mean, I, I 
I've loved this album for over a decade now. Uh, I I just like I'll come around to it. Like you know, I don't listen to it probably even every year, but when I do, I just enjoy it a lot. You know, it's like one of those things. Like Perry F- uh, Farrell's, you know, vocals aren't aren't always the best. I, like I think they they can be grating to some people. I I enjoy them a lot. You know, it, it's just it, I I don't know whether it's like the nostalgia of it or just kind of like the way that I don't know, like they don't. They, 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 there's kind of like this this sense that like they're they're kind of like of no time when it comes to rock music, like you kind of get this idea of like I like they don't sound like an '80s band, but they don't really sound like a '90s band. Uh, they're just kind of like their own thing, but at the same time, the music that they write isn't exactly like this, you know, experimental, you know, outsider avant-garde thing either. Like it's. I don't know. Like, I I guess it's 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 maybe like why you know a label like Alternative Rock was created in a way because it's you know it like there there's a lot of you know I I think like a lot of regularity a lot of normalcy to some of it but then you know like like, like there are just these points where like it'll zig where you think it'll zag mm-hmm. um yeah and and just. Yeah, it, it, it's just really interesting. Like you know, like um, I don't even know where to even fucking start here because I, I I think you know you have something like Mountain Song, which is like maybe more traditional. But then you go to something like Had a Dad, you know, where it feels like a little more kind of weird, its own thing. Or you know, Ted just admitted. Or uh, and Pigs in Zen is is a fucking weird song. Uh, I mean, Jane says is you know like the standout track of of the album which is a great song it also a weird song because it's literally just the same riff for the entire song <laughs> uh even though it's a fucking great song i it's yeah it, I, I i just i love listening to this thing whenever i think about it yeah <laughs> i actually saw jane's addiction uh and i think it was called outbreak fest my friend was a big Coheed fan, and there was a bunch of like mid to relatively well known. Wait, Coheed and Cambria and Jane's Addiction? Yeah, it was like I think it was like sponsored by Monster. It was like oh, uh, okay. like one of those like national tours. Like there were different booths and whatnot. It was at the uh, Xfinity Center, like you know fairgrounds in Mansfield, Mass, and you know a bunch of mid to well known, relatively well known hard rock bands throughout the day. And then the four headliners were uh, Circus Survive. Uh, Coheed, Jane's Addiction, and then Alice in Chains. Um, which <laughs> That's was, such a strange lineup. It was lineup. a very odd lineup, which when my friend said, you know, once you get Coheed, I saw the list, and I was like, That's interesting. And uh, I mean, obviously, I'm familiar with Jane's Addiction, haven't listened to them a ton. They were really fun. Uh, I think it's interesting that they just have like nude women on stage as part of their <laughs> stage show that's kind of an interesting choice that they like kiss each other on stage and yeah everything. it was uh, yeah. it was uh it was like wow okay we're we're doing this okay it's, cool. it's a time man yeah um but they were really really fun live i mean the, the whole show was fun uh just because each band very obviously brought um brought a different vibe um and that is actually because i i never disliked kohi but i never been into them and uh that's how i learned i liked not only likes them, but I specifically love. Uh, what's the song? It's on. Um, Welcome home. 
No, it's a Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth. It's one of the last oh, songs. Oh, um, yeah. I, I think I, it's a, a favorite House Atlantic. Where it's yes. Like, Dead Eye Sniper. Because like, when that song came out, I'm like, this is like a pop punk song. Like, what are we yeah, listening dude. to? I was That's like, damn good I was song. like, I didn't realize because obviously, you know, when I think Coheed, I think of Welcome Home. So like, I I yeah. should like epic, you know, relatively catchy prog rock, but actually they have some straight up emo pop in, you know, a lot of their, their back catalog. So yeah, it was a fun tour and uh, I was glad to, I haven't listened to a ton of Jane's Addiction since or, you know, prior, but it was uh, quite, quite the show. So I think I, I they, think I'll have the... They haven't, they, they've put out, I think only three albums, even though they've been around since the eighties. Um, I, I have not listened to because I think Ritual Day Habitual, however, I, I don't know, but well, the, their second album, I remember I owned that at one point. I wasn't a big fan of it. I never listened to the third one. Um, I just like nothing shocking. I don't know. It's, it, it, I mean, the album cover is pretty great too. I think it's like these like conjoined twins that are naked and they're on fire. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's pretty pretty damn good. Yeah. I, also, I mean, it, I, I'll, I'll keep this quick because, you know, we kind of need to move on. But I, it, you know, the whole idea of like weird tour lineups remind me, I was listening to a podcast, um, an interview with uh, One of Trucks Point Never. And uh, he was saying that he, um, so when Death Grips uh, dropped out of the Nine Inch Nails tour uh, a few years ago, um, they, uh, Trent Reznor invited uh, One of Trucks Point Never to replace him. And so he he developed this whole like noise set, and I, I guess that they, they were touring with Soundgarden as well. Oh, and so yeah, so, so he thought that, that yeah, yeah he, he thought that that he was going to be opening for Nine Inch Nails, and instead he was opening I think for Soundgarden. <laughs> so I feel like that makes fun because obviously Soundgarden's a bigger band, even though yeah. One of Tricks is more, you know, more in common with Nine, with Nine Inch Nails, but yeah. So, so you know, he de- he was saying like he just he developed this whole like noise show, only to have it not really work outside of an industrial context. And he happens to be, you know, opening for a band that is not industrial at all. <laughs> yeah. So how did that uh, how did that go? He said like it was bizarre, but he loved it. <laughs> like, which is it seems kind of on like on brand for for Daniel Lopatin. So <laughs> how did yeah. people like how, how did people receive it like in the crowd? I, I don't know. I I I think he he just remember he just said it was a really weird tour. Uh, but I I think he liked doing the set. I but but I don't really remember what people were thinking about it. Um. But it, it's just funny to think about. Whereas, like, I, I would have been, I would have loved to see all three of those artists. Uh, he did say that Chris Cornell was uh, very nice to him, so uh, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, I feel like those kind of musicians have a much broader palette than their like their own music would suggest. Oh, I I, um, I meant like more just like you know like I, I guess like you know during sound check and stuff they like he was just like really nice to to one of tricks you know yeah but I, I feel like he also probably was like man like i love your you know love your stuff yeah i could see that so because i, I yeah. mean d- d- just that they would you know Soundgarden and national nails but even tour together is not something you would really think about but like it makes sense in a way but like i, I think it's because yeah like they, they they probably have you know a mutual uh affection for each other and each other's music but anyway yeah. <laughs> so 
What are you? Uh, so I think we're on your last album. Yeah, um, and and yeah. for me, this is uh, maybe not the '80s album from this band that you might expect, but it's the one I'm most nostalgic to, um, and was actually a very important player in my love for physical media and it is drama by yes okay. obviously when you think of 80s yes you think of uh 91 because it has <laughs> owner of a lovely heart and um and, and it's generally hated by yes fans uh it, it's a fine it's a fine album I, I get why yes fans hate it because like this came just three years after drama and drama is still drama is definitely more pop leaning but uh it was not for one it was not uh i'm trying to think of the the chronology um yeah so 74 you had relayer which is a, a fantastic album um and then you had going for the one in 77 and tormato in 1978 which are both prog rock albums that were not well received at all i think drama was a little bit of a bounce back album uh maybe it's kind of a uh a death magnetic effect in a way where like i think one of the reasons people hate it i mean like i think people would have hated lulu regardless but it's i think one of the reasons people were so against it was because Death Magnetic was actually a return to form after years of albums that disappointed fans. Yeah. And then they followed it up by collaborating with Lou Reed on but, a bunch but, of but, like... But then they followed it up with an album that was just okay. And yeah. everybody was like all about it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Amazing, you know, context is important. But yeah, for me, yes. Uh, I don't know. It was... Uh, I think of the context of the discography. It's obviously not my favorite of theirs anymore, but I still think it's a great album. You know, very nice uh, poppy prog, and importantly, it was one of my favorite records from my dad's collection. And I would, you know, I've talked before about I would be downstairs listening to uh, listening to records, playing Super Nintendo, and uh, just having an all-around grot Tim. And uh, <laughs> I, I really loved. I don't know. I just loved. I love that feeling. I love the idea. It is really nice. Yeah, I just it was yeah. it was it was interesting because like I didn't really own any physical media of my own. Oh, I, so. I I was thinking of just like you know putting on an album while playing some video games. Like that's a good time. Yeah, and it was cool because like obviously they weren't my records. I was you know, and it actually wasn't my Super Nintendo either. Obviously, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't uh, I wasn't old enough to buy one at the time it came out, but. Yeah, I don't know. I just just a just a big fan of that experience. It kind of started my love for for collecting physical media, and uh, yeah, I mean, in general, I th- I, th- I do think it's a good album. I really do, um, and I think that it proves that Yes can still make albums that fans like in the eighties. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in general, people are too. I think ninety one twenty five is a good album. Like, sure, it's not it's not fragile or it's not close to the edge but it's still a it's still a good prog rock album i think people are just too too judgmental yeah for i, I to be fair i i really i haven't listened to any yes albums from the age i've really only listened to close to the edge and fragile um i do want to get the yes album at some point but um yeah i mean i i, I just you know i i think it's it's kind of like you know it, 
I mean, it's it's maybe not to the same degree, but you know, just I, I think the way like people look at like uh, Saint Anger, if we're gonna still go with like Metallica, or it, maybe it'd be more uh, relevant to say you know something like Load and Reload, because like you know, I I think those albums got some shit, but at least like they were good. Like, like at least the music was good. It just might not have been what people wanted, but like diehard fans wanted. Yeah, I mean, Metallica is such an interesting case. <laughs> they really like, are. Like, like, it, like, it's, you... it's amazing to think yeah. about, like, the trajectory they had. Like, Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The trajectory of their career is so... They released, like, four of the most beloved thrash albums, like, back to back to back. arguably. Yeah, I mean, like, I think Black Album... Black Album is, is I mean, in, in terms of what came after, it's not divisive at all. But I think at the time, and there's still some people yeah. who, you know, obviously it was a little bit more of a radio-friendly direction. Um, but yeah, to, I guess to just, you know, five of the most well-regarded metal albums of all time. Um, and then... It, some just, of the best-selling, too. Yeah, exactly. And then proceeded to just be... Just disappoint everyone. <laughs> just, yeah. Just to, like, just... really, really shit the bed. Um, it, it, it's, it's fucking amazing. Like... It, amazing just yeah and even with all that said i will still maintain like i, I get I, I i think just like objectively speaking as as much as you could be objective uh lulu is is a, a flawed album to say the least but i mean i i think it's overhated just because i can understand why people were like absolutely appalled by <laughs> like after you know kind of bouncing back but i think the yeah. biggest problem with that album is that Metallica was absolutely the wrong band. Like it made it makes sense why they connected because they literally they perform together at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and then you know they're two big artists. But I think like if if Lou Reed had made that album with like the Melvins or like another like Oh man another, like, I would listen to that. Yeah, like another off kilter just because like vocally, songwriting like just every aspect of Metallica's sound they just were not equipped to make that album like the way that it, the, to, to make it in a way that it would be successful. Like, the, you know, why didn't like I? It feels like Melvin's would be such a better fit. Well, I, I think it's just because they had the connection and they, um, yeah, you know, yeah. I, but, I, but 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 Lou Reed was like got his start being like this weirdo outsider, like. You know, I, and, and I feel like if if there's any band in like metal that you know embodies that mentality it is the melvins i wonder if if he was just he was aware that he was nearing the end of his not, not only his career but his life not to be morbid Lou Reed, and he had the chance to collaborate with our you know arguably well inarguably one of like the three or five biggest metal bands ever and arguably the biggest metal band ever it's kind of hard to say no so yeah i'm guessing like like if he made a you know, obviously, they didn't receive the attention they were hoping for. Um, yeah, <laughs> but like, if he made the album with the Melvins, the reception and the coverage would have been obviously significantly less. I, even though I, it would I have think been a much... some people would still be pissed off, but yeah, know. but like it wouldn't it wouldn't be as uh, wouldn't be as not even not even I, wouldn't I, even be... I, I, I would just love Buzzo. I would love to hear him say, "I am the table." <laughs> no, if I I really think that they could have made like, it. A... Th this is the alternate universe that we need. 
I, I, this truly is the darkest timeline, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, or I'm trying to think of like, even if he wanted to go, I think Melvin's is like palatable enough because I don't know if you know, I can't imagine him doing that with like Primitive Man. I don't even know if they were banned back then, um, or like one of those like really heavy, or like Thou. Like I didn't yeah. know how dark he wanted to get, but like I think just like a truly good version of that album would have been like a really dark sludge band. But like in terms of something you know relatively palatable um oh man i think that would have been really fun i mean that would have been that would have been so awesome but i i think i i don't know how well it would have worked out in some ways because i i feel like lou reed takes himself way too seriously uh whereas melvin's are are just the exact opposite yeah i I mean all this is is super hypothetical and i agree yeah uh um I mean, just in everything I've seen, I feel like it was super obvious that Metallica were just kind of just in happy to be here mode. Like, yeah. And I think that they, because I, I, it's hard. Like if you, if you listen to the album, there are some parts that are just not, just not well-written. They're just not good. And for them, for them to, I mean, it's probably you're, you're responding to being criticized heavily. I mean, nobody likes that, but um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, spent spent a lot of time anyway, talking about yeah talking about <laughs> we, we got way off track, yeah, but but yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So why don't you take us away with your your final uh, yeah final pick? So I I've got a uh, heavy metal album, uh, and it is uh, also an album of the week that I've talked about, um, and probably my favorite metal album of the eighties, I guess, um, and it's uh, Defenders of the Faith by Judas Priest. Nice. Yeah, uh, I think you know. I, Screaming for Vengeance is is great. I I love that album, but I I really love Defenders of the Faith more. Um, it, I don't know if it's just like it it, it kind of feels like it, it trades the speed um, of some of their work, you know, for just more just like oomph and power. Um, I really like it. Like I, I like when they slow down just a little, and it it just really works out. And it, not to mention just I mean. I, I, Rob Alford, I think, just always brings his A game, but I I hear it so much in in Defenders of the Faith. You know, just sort of like you know, um, there are points in like at the end of Jawbreaker, he just like w- that last chorus that he does, he just like raises his voice as like as high as it can go mm-hmm. in terms of pitch, and it's just like you know, it, it, it's it's just incredible to kind of like hear that and, and how he can just like whip it out just like that, and it's like, yeah really impressive and uh just yeah it's a lot of my favorite Jewish priest songs are on defenders of the faith i mean just the title track alone which is a part of like heavy duty um you know but but then there are tracks like you know eat me alive and like love bites and uh yeah and then there's you know it's some heads are gonna roll um but yeah so some of them are you know <laughs> like eat me alive is um and and love bites are are some of those, like actually no, I, I'm thinking of Jawbreaker. Actually, if you ever look at the lyrics of that, I'm like, it, 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 there is no more homoerotic, you know, heavy metal song than Jawbreaker by Judas Priest. <laughs> just, it is just so like on the nose, and I don't even know if it was intentional. Like I I, I don't know if Rob Halford was really thinking about like that, but <laughs> I I I just. Every time I listen to it now, I'm like, 
holy fuck, dude. Like, this is like... This is like the volleyball scene of Top Gun, but like put into a song, put into a heavy metal song. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. I love it so much. It's it's so good. It's, it's just such a great album. Uh, even, yeah, like the Sentinel, like they, there are just some great deep cuts on this thing. I love the album cover, you know, just part of like that, like, I don't know, like, like the string of albums that they did that was just like weird mecha creatures, like... Like I don't know, it was it was like fucking like Voltron and like Power Rangers like ten years before either of those or whatever, you know. <laughs> Wait, but Vol- Voltron was like eighties, right? Like late eighties. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so I I I just like I look at those and just like oh yeah, like robot animals. Okay, I can get around that. <laughs> uh, but I I really I just like how distinctive their album covers are, but especially especially Defenders of the Faith. Especially, I don't know, it just, it looks like a, uh, I don't know how to describe that creature, but I, I think it's the Sentinel that, that, the, that the track is talking about, you know, that, I think that's the name of it, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I really, I love Defenders of the Faith, uh, it is my go-to Judas Priest album, like, without a doubt, uh, but I think part of that is because it's the only one that's on my shelf right now. <laughs> I, I used to have, um, Painkiller. And I think I used to have Screaming for Vengeance, and then I ended up selling them, which was really stupid. Uh, and I want them back. Yeah, I mean, I think when you when you think of Judas Priest, you you are going to think of those. You know, you're going to think of um, you know British Steel. Screaming yeah, Vengeance, I I, I I really don't like British Steel. Like yeah. it's it, it's a good hard rock album, or it's, or it's an okay hard rock album, but like. It's really not a great Judas Priest album, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm mean, like my go-to is you know Screamer Vengeance and and Painkiller. Yeah, um, I mean, they, like, come on, Electric Eye. I mean, yeah. like, just to have that open up an album. <laughs> and just, I mean, I think Painkiller just might be my all-around favorite, just like heavy metal song. Like that, just yeah, the, the opening drums and then the guitar squeal. Like, holy oh shit! Oh my god, yeah. They, um, it, they, the the fucking solo for that is yeah. so good too. But. All that to say, and you know, I, I think the more I dug into their discography, you know, I think it's, I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think it's truly underrated, um, but I, I was, I was surprised, I think when, when I borrowed it from you, um, I was like, man, like this, I feel like I haven't really heard much about this album, and I, it's really, really fucking good like i just i I was very surprised uh that i hadn't heard more about it um at the time because obviously everyone you know you got another thing coming electric eye like those kind of songs those great songs or or, uh breaking the law and breaking the uh, law breaking the law i want to get more judas priest i mean it's one of those bands me me too um the the only thing is that it's, it's like i i find that I, I kind of have a threshold with Judas Priest. Like, I really don't have any interest in listening to, like, their earlier albums. And I don't really have any interest in listening to, like, their later albums. Even though, like, Firepower was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I, I think Nostradamus definitely, I think, gets a lot of flack now. But, I, I mean, there are, a lot, there are a lot of tracks from it that I really enjoyed when I was in high school, when, when it came out. Um, but I, I just, I, I'm like, you know what, just sign me up for the classics. Like I'm good. You know, it, uh-huh. it, it, it's, it's like, 
It's like the same thing with Iron Maiden. Like you know, I I'm I'm sure like the self titled the self titled and Killers are pretty good, but like, you know, Number of the Beast, Seventh Son, you know, I I I can like Peace of Mind, Power Slave. Like I I'll I'll deal. Like I like listening to those as opposed to like even like Brave New World. I'm really not a big fan of, uh, and just you know like Final Frontier, uh, Senjutsu. Book of Souls, yeah, like I'm, I'm all set, you know. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, um, but anyway, um, it makes me sad because my favorite. I actually, I I love the uh, Senjutsu kind of aspect of Naruto. I wish more characters had <laughs> Senjutsu, <laughs> and so now I, every, I still think we need to do an anime episode, yeah. but <laughs> but like, but now like every time that uh, every time I think about it. Um, Obviously, I think of. Wait, wait, which one? But was Senjutsu like actual weapons? No, Senjutsu. That's uh, Taijutsu. Is is the the you know physical fighting? Senjutsu was. Um, I I thought uh, I thought Taijutsu was like hand to hand combat, not necessarily like yeah. weapons. I don't know. If, I don't know if weapons is a specific, but uh, Senjutsu is a sage mode. Um, oh, okay. All right. All right. I, I, so. I got you now. Yeah, so, yeah, so, 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 so you just think of the whole Naruto v. Pain fight. Yeah. And, just, and, and you just shake your head because Bruce Dickinson sounds so old. <laughs> I really do wish... Um, I wish more people about Sage Mode. Uh, everything I, I've seen leads me to believe that the reason people hate Baruto is because the anime is awful. Because I actually... I've, I've been reading the manga, and I, 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 I love it. I think it's great. Um... But the one thing in the anime that so far has not been the manga is uh, the fact that uh, Orochimaru's son goes into sage mode, which is not in the manga. And oh, the, clip, the clips I've seen are really, really fucking cool. I have. Um, I didn't know that that was even possible for him to do that. But all right. Yeah. Um, I. I. Who's Who's the? I mean, not to get totally off topic. Who Who's the really moody guy that that has his own arc? Um, in Naruto or Boruto? In Boruto. Oh, it's uh. Oh, uh, Kawaki. Isn't that his name? Yeah, it's uh. I think uh, that's his name. Like he he has the same power as Boruto, but 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 he's just like a little like emo boy about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I, I I'm just I, I'm waiting for for the episode where they kiss. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, 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 somebody's definitely written that in, on fanfiction.net. So, I mean, I, I know what I'll be doing after, <laughs> after this episode. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. <laughs> no, like I, it's it's amazing. Like I, I almost didn't like when I finished Naruto, I wasn't planning on reading Boruto because I heard. I mean, and like the clips I'd seen. Like there's so much. Someone did like a, a ratio, and the ratio of filler to actual true canon in Boruto is is like ridiculous. Um, but um, the manga is actually really good, and it's a lot darker yeah, than I, the anime. I I read through up. I think when, when I was reading it, I I got up through the Kawaki arc, um, like halfway through it, uh, because I and then I caught up to it in full and i just stopped reading it and uh yeah i mean maybe i should go back to reading at some point but um 
I'm I'm good right now. <laughs> so, I'm actually, I mean, not really related, but I'm, I'm watching uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi series finally. Um, that's been interesting. So, um, anyway, <laughs> way off topic. Do you want to talk about albums of the week? Yeah, I sure do. Yeah, what 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 you got? Uh, so I mentioned I forget what the segue was, but I mentioned uh, experimental. Uh, electronic album that I bought recently. I was hoping to talk about this. Oh, week. yeah, yeah. And uh, was very pleased to find it, and even more pleased with uh, the specific version that I got. Uh, it is Silver Apples. Oh, um, okay. Which is really ahead of their time fusion of rock and electronic music. Uh, the debut came out in '68, and I don't, I don't know if it sounds like super ahead of its time, but definitely uh definitely unique and it was uh 10 bucks for the cd which was a little bit more than i would like to spend but i i you know it's a it's a pretty rare album so i was excited about that uh was interested why there were 18 tracks i was and i was like how is this 18 tracks if the album is only like 30 something minutes long that's (laughs) because the cd i have includes their sophomore album as well Oh, so two cool. albums on the same disc. Um, it's relatively similar. Can't say that there's. Now, isn't it like kind of like a heavy psych sort of like really like space rocky kind of thing? Yeah, it's very. Uh, I think Suicide came after, but yeah, but but like, it's like I I don't know I I guess it's like if Suicide like took a bunch of acid and and kind of just like had a time in the desert like that scene in the, in that uh that Valkyrie or Doors movie. Yeah, exactly. So they reminded me of Suicide even though they preceded Suicide by I think a, at least I want to say 5 years. Like I forget when Suicide's debut came that out. That sounds right. Um, but right there. yeah, definitely a much more uh oh great. I I probably shouldn't have just googled Suicide. Uh, that's, that's, I mean, <laughs> scrub that history <laughs> yeah okay i'm just trying to get to the band all right let, let me let me try that again um but yeah like definitely a lot more analog i think suicide's more probably did a more interesting take on this sound so to speak just but i i mean i think they were heavily influenced by silver apples i think silver like i don't think it's a it's a I think the album still stands in terms of its, obviously its influence, and I think it's still enjoyable. It is pretty repetitive. Uh, oh wow, they preceded them by a lot. Suicide's debut came out in '77, yeah. so they preceded them by almost a decade. Um, yeah, that sounds right. But yeah, I think. I mean, the more I think about it, I guess it, it is kind of hard to deny how ahead of its time they were. I mean, like very rudimentary electronics. I think I think the sense that the main main dude used uh were homemade um interesting the main dude being because he does have a name um now oh it's literally just simeon oh uh, I, I was hoping it'd be like the man with no name like clint eastwood oh S- simeon cokes cox c-o-x-e um yeah. yeah like it's uh the you know primitive synthesizers that he made himself um they released, f- I think, four albums before. I'm, I'm interested in the garden. Speaking of trippy, like look at that. Look up the cover for the garden by Silver Apples. It's quite a, quite trippy. Um, but yeah, was really excited to find it. Was even more excited to find 
You know, the kind of two. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> Even more excited to find the two for one. Um, um, yeah. You ever notice that the the cover for the self titled looks like I know they're apples, but with the two stems, it makes it more, look more like cherries. Yeah, I can they, see that. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> just stupid shit. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, no, I I I can't. Re- I, I remember. I I think I've listened to this. I've listened to the debut before. That that sounds right. Um, but I'm gonna have to ch- check it out again because I always thought it was like kind of like um, kind of like like you know like a jam band and like kind of like a blues band like but 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 just like as far flung into space as you could get. It definitely the kind of it, it definitely sonically I could see why people who liked psych rock at the time would be into it but it's definitely a lot weirder obviously the use of electronics was really unique um but yeah definitely a lot more off kilter than their contemporaries at the time and i i, I if you haven't listened to it uh i i figured you would you have this in your collection uh, i didn't yeah you. i know i it, it does seem like one of those bands that like i i should know about right yeah yeah um which I, i'm i'm i was just looking because I, I wanted to see if if they had named it after the Yates poem or they had named it after the like the Sabotnik piece uh, that is referencing the Yates poem but I, I, I think they might have come out like they, they might actually, I think they were basically contemporaries of each other so probably not but um, anyway yeah no I, I really do I, I really should put this on I actually have some stuff coming in the mail that is similar in some ways to it but um, yeah, I, I, I'm. I, I was kind of, I was kind of hoping that you'd you'd talk about Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum at some point. Uh, yeah, I haven't. I, uh, I haven't listened to that yet. I've been oh, going through. I was going dude. through the other CDs that I bought. Yeah, because um, it, it was grand opening and closing, right? Yeah, that was. Uh, that, that was a good. That, that's a great album. Oh, Colbert time. Uh, <laughs> that was. Uh, unf- well, fortunately, unfortunately, that was at Music Connection. Which it, it's it honestly like where I had a pretty good haul. It amazes me how it just it seemingly gets more chaotic every time I go in there. Like <laughs> it's it's kind of it's almost impressive. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I always find good stuff in there. It just is. I, I really I, I need to just bite the bullet and just go there sometime. Maybe I'll do that this week. Um, though I really shouldn't spend more money than I already probably am this week. So <laughs> I mean, it, it's just it's crazy to me that they're. Um, like there are times where I've been in there and people are like they're just every time I've been in there someone's working and like taking up most of the aisle and I'm like this is a place of business right like people are trying to do stuff here like what do you yeah. what, what, what do you think about that think you think you might want to let people buy some of your some of your your goods and services yeah I, I, I imagine like it's it's like these people who like you know th- these are the people that like um uh, high fidelity was was written after <laughs> was written <Yeah>. about <laughs> but um yeah very nice very nice um i should probably talk about my album of the week yeah and, please do. and, and slap a bow on this um yeah so we actually already talked about this band uh it is uh the melvins uh bullhead hey there you go uh, yeah i so 
I, I've been wanting a copy of this for the longest time and uh, finally just bit the bullet and, and just bought it. Um, and very happy I did. Uh, love it. Love listening to it. Just such a fun album to listen to. Boris is just such a great fucking song. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't really have much to say. I, I just, I am really happy I own it. I really want to get some more Melvins, but really glad to just have Bullhead. You know, because I, I think I have, I have Houdini as well, but I might like Bullhead more in some ways. Um, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's it's a. I actually have not listened to Bullhead, even though it's a really highly rated. Uh, I love Houdini. Um, I, I I know. I think you said Stag was like your favorite, right? Stag's just so so good. I think it's a little bit more, um, a little bit weirder, but yeah, I, still... I haven't listened to it for a, in a long time. I actually I, I put on Lysol the other day for the first time. That was that was interesting. Yeah, I mean they're uh, they're a really good band. I think that they um, have been a little bit over their skis recently, just kind of releasing like I think they've hit the quantity over quality part of their career where mm. they aren't really saying. I mean, it's it's not super fair of me to say because I've stopped following them. Their newer stuff that is at least. Just because it just, after it started to feel a little like what's the what's the point like why yeah. you know like why would I listen to this new record? Um, it, 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 actually, you know what? Specifically, they've reached the uh, um, the kind of have the Melvins jumped the shark. Or just kind of the goofy part of their phase where it's like it reminds me of that Family Guy skit where like you know the lamp monster basically they made, they made fun <laughs> yeah, of Stephen, Stephen King, King being a hat. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I actually remember the specific album where I, I stopped listening. It was in 2016. It, it's called Bases Loaded. Oh right, and it's where yeah. they're like, hey, you know, every member that has been part of the band, you know, you know, like everyone who played bass, and it's like, ah, I get it. Bases Loaded. That's great. Next, like <laughs> it just, and then since then, um, I think the main reason I stopped following them as closely was because i was trying to be i, I got pretty close i bought a, most of their early stuff but i was like when it got to collecting their newer albums and they're releasing so many of them and they weren't that great i was like i'm gonna stick to the good albums of theirs i have yeah um totally fair St stoner which is also great um, yeah th there's a copy of that at bull moose uh used that i've been thinking about buying um again just try feeling like i shouldn't buy more music uh than i probably already will uh, the next week, so I really should get Bullhead. I mean, that's a really well celebrated album, dude. It's um, so good, dude. I, mean, I I I could just listen. I could listen to Boris all day. I mean, I I, I had a couple days in like last few weeks where I've just been like doing the dishes to to listen to Boris. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, good times. As 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 good times as doing the dishes can be. Anyway, <laughs> man, you're really um, uh, really sparking my interest in like i i forgot how many of these i was excited to try to find uh... <laughs> all right well i think we'll uh we'll let it go here and uh we'll be back next week all right see you later all right bye